Thank you for joining us here at the Kill Rock Podcast. This is episode 38 featuring Michael Sweet from the bands Sweet and Lynch and Striper. Before we get started, we want to let you guys know that the Kill Rock Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash killrock for your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download. That is audibletrial.com slash killrock. Hey everybody, this is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to the Kill Rock Podcast.
Now, I don't use this terminology that often, but how dope was that song? That was The Wish by Sweet and Lynch, which is Michael Sweet and George Lynch's brand new project. Uh, you, would, you would know George Lynch off the from the band Dawkins. And of course, you know Michael Sweet. Michael Sweet, frontman of the band Striper. Now, I would like to inform you now that for you vocalists and for you musicians, uh, either if you're brand new to bands or if you've been playing in bands for a really long time, this is a great episode for you to listen to. I love having experienced musicians and uh, not not just like, you know, experienced as, you know, talent, but also experience in the music business. I think this is probably the perfect episode for you and at least perfect interview for you, the listeners, uh, to take some great advice. Michael Sweet has some amazing advice, whether it comes to, uh, doing doing vocals and how he how he keeps up his voice and how, you know, you know, his band Striper has been able to continue uh, from the 80s on. They're about to release a new album. They should be done in the studio by now. When we did this interview, uh, we were halfway through February and, you know, they, they, they started recording at the beginning of February. So they should be, you know, fairly close to being done with this new album. And not to mention that he's just released a brand new album with George Lynch from Dawkins, like I mentioned before. And you heard in the, the beginning song, The Wish, off their album Only to Rise, uh, that's another 12 tracks that he's released. And, he, you know, he also just recorded a, a solo record last year called I'm Not Your Suicide that came out in May. So he's been writing and writing and writing releasing songs and i think for you the listeners if you are in a band want to be in a band um just want to be motivated you know this, i think this is the perfect interview for you guys to check out so we're going to get to that in just one moment but before we do i want to thank you guys for checking out the kill rock podcast for hitting the download button and the subscribe button also, checking out audibletrial.com slash killrock and supporting us that way. That is the best way to help support the Kill Rock podcast uh, financially. Uh, it, this podcast is free for you, the listeners, but it does, uh, you know, we do have to pay the bills. And that's the best way because you don't even have to spend a cent. You could subscribe at audibletrial.com slash killrock and you could cancel at any time. You could cancel before they bill you the first time because you have a free 30-day trial. And you also have a free audiobook download to check out. You could go check out Ender's Game, which was our book of the week last week that Cam Smith suggested. Uh, you could go check out Chris Jericho's Best in the World at What I Have No Idea and many other books. There's 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, for Android, for your Kindle, and any MP3 player. AudibleTrial.com slash KillRock. Also, hit the rating button on your iTunes, Stitcher, or Podomatic, and write us a nice, wonderful review. And uh, let us know what we're doing right here at the Kill Rock Podcast. Also, let us know what we're doing wrong here at the Kill Rock Podcast. We love to hear from you guys. And if you're in an independent band, please send us your stuff. We'd love to play it here on the show. You can email myself personally at Keith at KillRockPodcast.com. That's K-E-I-T-H at K-I-L-L-R-O-C-K podcast.com. 
And you can also email the show at kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. Now we are going to get to Michael Sweet from the band Striper. Before we do that, we are going to play a jam. This is a jam. When Webster created the dictionary and he wrote the word jam, this is the definition. This song is off Striper's album, To Hell With The Devil. Guess what this song is called? To Hell With The Devil. Here on the Kill Rock Podcast.
good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's nice and warm out here, so I'm not too uh, not complaining too much. And it's cold here, so hopefully <laughs> we'll warm up soon. Well, we'll talk about your upbringing maybe a little bit. I found out that you actually grew up not too far away from me. Uh, let's see. I grew up in um, Southern California. Yeah. And I'm... born in Whittier and uh, moved about. From uh, Whittier to Pasadena to Whittier to uh, La Mirada, Fullerton, all basically, you know, placed in uh, California for the most part, for most of my life. Yeah, basically every place. I've I've lived in Fullerton, La Habra. Uh, I grew up in Covina. And, yeah? Uh, yeah, now I'm in Azusa. So, yeah, not too much. Not too wow. far. Small it's world. A small world. <laughs> and you know what? And I'll tell you another thing. Um, there's only been one time I've ever seen Striper, and it was in 2009. Yeah. And uh, you guys were doing an acoustic set in Nashville. Oh yeah. Do you remember that at BB King's? Yeah, that was just Oz and I. Yes. Yeah. Now I actually, uh, I did have a question about that because I remember uh, that night very well. It's like one of those times where you look back and you're like you know everything like everything's just vivid um i went because i was like um you know i was at like a christian convention thing because of the devil words or whatever and right. uh, someone's like oh striper's playing for free at bb king's an acoustic set and i was like no way we gotta go so we go and the first thing i noticed and this is kind of going to lead into my first question um your voice it was just as pristine as the albums that you re- that Striper had released, you know, all the way from the '80s on. My first question is, how have you been able to contain your voice to make it as nice as it is? Well, you know, I I definitely have my share of trouble along the way. There there are times when I I have trouble singing, and you know, it's difficult to hit those high notes and whatnot. But I think, I think for whatever reason, uh, my voice has sustained, uh, you know, uh, throughout the past thirty some odd years in in a fairly well way, and it's uh, maybe due to the fact that I try not to abuse it. I try not to sing the wrong way. I try not to oversing. I try to uh, take care of myself, you know, physically and mentally and in in terms of diet and all that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, I know when I sing, I can feel that I've lost some of my range and it's, it's a little harder to hit those notes, but, uh, it's still, I'm still able to go out and sing and, um, and sing the songs in the original keys and whatnot. And I know, I know there are some singers that, you know, you know, it doesn't come as easily these days, and that's because age takes its toll on all of us. Right. But I'm I'm just, I feel blessed, you know. I, I'm not really sure. There's no secret to what I'm doing. I just, you know, but I pray that I have a little bit more life left in me. Hopefully I do. Now, you mentioned that you guys, so every song that you guys have ever written, you, you do play in the same key. You don't drop the key just so your voice can kind of take a break. No, we we haven't had to do that yet. Um, we've thought about it. I mean, because it's obviously when you drop the keys of songs, it's easier for people right. to sing. Um, but at the same time, when you start dropping the keys of songs, it starts sounding a little bit more foreign. 
Uh, it takes on a completely different sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you get down to a, a full step or a step and a half, they, they become almost unrecognizable. Right. And, uh, you know, some bands do that. You go see them live, and, they, and they're dropped a step, step and a half, sometimes two steps. And that's because they have to, so that so the singer can sing it. And, you know, we've tried not to do that, uh, just to, you know, stick to that original sound and tone and whatnot. But, um, you know, maybe someday we'll have to do that. (laughs) Who knows? But, you know, I just, there, I don't personally care for it. I don't like it when I go to see a band and they drop the key of the song down two steps and I I get it. The singer has to do it and I understand it, but at the same time, it, it just doesn't sound like the song you grew up on. Yeah, because BB uh, King's uh, me and my buddy, I looked at him. I'm like, how? I mean, obviously you're an amazing singer. I'm like, but I was like, how does he sound this good? And they're doing like an acoustic set. There's no like ba- real like backing uh, music to really, you know. Uh, I guess kind of like I don't know. Um, so you guys didn't drop keys for that either, right? You guys played all those songs in the right key, in the same key. Yeah, we play them in the same key, which is an E. We play Van Halen tuning, which is a, you know half step down, so okay. E flat. Okay, and you guys don't drop uh, the top string; you keep it uh, natural, or not natural? No, but you keep it. Okay. no, no. We do, we do it. We've we've been in that uh, tuning since the very beginning, from wow. album one, and, and we're still there. We're still at E flat, a half step down from four forty, and um, you know sometimes we'll drop the low E down. Okay. So it becomes a C sharp, uh, or it's an open D for right. us, but right. it's, it's a true C sharp. And, uh, you know, that's the Van Halen unchained tuning as well. So now, uh, you mentioned, you know, we're talking about tunings. We're talking about Striper. You, have you guys gone back into the studio? Have you guys started recording your new album? Yeah, we started recording a new album, um, about, Let's see here. On the first of February, okay. so a little over two weeks ago. Oh wow! Um, you've been really busy, at least in the last year. You released your own solo album, "I'm Not Your Suicide." Just recently, you released uh, a new album with uh, with George Lynch from Dokken, uh I uh, believe called "Only to Rise." Um, how have you been able to keep up all this writing? Because I'm not your suicide. I feel I think it's like what 14 songs on this new album is 13 songs, and now you're doing Striper. How do you keep up this songwriting? It's crazy. Um, I, I I don't know. I just there's there's something in me that just is overflowing in terms of songwriting. I always have songs and melodies in my head and coming out of me, uh, and it's never really been a problem. And it, it's it's. I like the challenge of getting a call from a label saying, Hey, we want you to produce and write an album and you've got two weeks to do it. You know, right. uh, I like the challenge of that. And I think that helps with my songwriting many times, uh, because of the, um, you know, the stress of it and the fact that I have to deliver, I think it actually helps me. Uh, but it's never really been a problem. I mean, I, I hope and pray that I have songs coming out of me until the day I die. Right. Uh, and it, it appears like, like for example, the Sweet Lynch album that got written very quickly and put together very quickly. The new Striper album got written very quickly and put together very quickly. And No More Hell to Pay, same thing. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where the way I write, I don't write every day. Right. So when I when I do an album, I'll take two or three months off and not write anything. Oh wow! 
And then it's time the label contacts me or says, hey, it's time to start thinking about a new album, and then that's when I'll start writing. Now, do those thoughts brew in your head, though, for that two and three months where you're just like, wow, this would be something cool to write about, and then when it comes to writing, that just comes out? No, no. I, I just kind of escape it all okay. for the two or, two or three or four month period, and then when it's time to do it, I go down and crank out a song or two a day uh, until the album's done. Oh, wow. Now, with uh, with uh, Sweet and Lynch, uh, I remember last year uh, I was you were on the uh, Chris Jericho's podcast, and I think uh, that was the first time I heard about it, that you were doing a project with George Lynch. Um, how did that come about? Uh, you said the songwriting was really quick. Uh, how long did it take for the recording process, and how did you even get linked up with George Lynch? Well, the label that I'm on, Frontiers, uh, they wanted to do this super group, and they're doing more and more of them, and they asked me to be a part of one, and they wanted to hook me up with John Levin, who plays guitar for Dokken. Okay. Uh, and it, one thing led to another. I eventually uh, suggested George Lynch. They really liked the idea. I know George. I contacted him. He agreed to do it. And then I, I, I got uh, hired to produce and co-write as well, and and I hired the band and put everything together, and, and then George and I just started exchanging ideas. George would basically send me three or four guitar riff ideas, oh, wow. a minute a minute long, a minute and 20 seconds long, and then I would take those and say, I really like these three. I don't care so much for that one. Send me some more. And I'd take those three, and I would make them complete songs and write the sections that weren't there, write the lyrics, write the melodies, and then they were songs. So everything was done over correspondence? Everything was done over correspondence. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, I mean, that's the day and the age we live in. Because uh, when Stripe, I'm sure when Striper started, you guys were knocking out songs in a room together, right? We were. I mean, I, I, I was always kind of the guy. I remember when you know, you know, Oz and Rob were working um, a place called Intage, a warehouse job, and Tim was out doing whatever, and I would lock. I was the guy that would lock himself in the garage and not come out, you know, for days on end, and. and you know, just write songs and write songs. And then once they'd come to rehearsal, I'd show them the new ideas that I had been working on. So it, it's, it's kind of, kind of the same today. It, nothing's really changed. You know, it's, uh, it's just that I'm that guy that just lives, eats and breathes music. Uh, and I'm always coming up with ideas and showing them to the guys and they're going, Oh yeah, that's cool. And, and we're working it out. So. Okay. Um, now how long is Striper? Striper has been a band for over 30 years. Am I right? Yeah, we formed uh, in 1984. Okay. Uh, officially with this lineup, okay. and then we released our first album in '84 as well, Yellow and Black Attack. Right. Um, now, when you guys started, uh, you guys are a well-known. I'm going to say "quote unquote" Christian band because I don't necessarily believe in uh, myself as a Christian. I don't really believe in the term Christian band, but you guys were one of the first, uh, I guess, metal Christian bands. Now, seeing things from that day to this day, is it easier for those bands in the metal scene to be able to uh, not necessarily just make ends meet, but to be able to fit in in their own particular music scene? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. But, you know, just to kind of uh, address the first part of your statement Mm -hmm. in terms of the Christian band title, uh, I despise it, and, and it, the reason why I do, I've been I've been explaining this in interviews lately, and I think some people understand, some people will never understand. 
they think I'm ashamed of it or hiding right. it. And I'm not. I mean, you know, first of all, if any band out there in the history of, of music has boldly proclaimed Christ, it's Striper. Right. I, I, I truthfully, and this isn't a, an ego talking, this is just a fact. I, I can't think of any other band that's done so as boldly, any other hard rock metal band that's done so as boldly as we have. Mm-hmm. So there's no denying who we are or what we are. But at the same time, the reason why I despise the term Christian band or Christian rock, Christian metal, is because I feel like it instantly, and you know, in terms of long term, eternally, it, it really limits you. Mm-hmm. It, it pigeonholes, it puts you in a box, and the people that aren't into quote-unquote Christian metal, like for example, if somebody said, uh, it called referred to themselves as a satanic band. I'm never going to listen to them. Right. But if they just call themselves a metal band, I might listen to them. Right. If I like the riff or what have you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. It, it's just, I think that, that the terms limit your audience. And, you know, if we're going to term everything and, and call Striper a Christian band, then we have to call all the other bands, we got to put the labels on them. We, if there's a Catholic band, if there's a metal band that's comprised of Catholics, then we got to call them a Catholic metal band. Right. And I, I totally agree with that. And uh, because I think a lot, and with the Christian, you know, market, a lot of these people, and I've been hearing it a lot lately as well. A lot of people, when you say that you're not a Christian band, they're saying, well, Christ said, if you deny me before man, I'm going to deny you before your father. But who are you to say that I am denying Christ by not calling myself a Christian band? Yeah, I mean, because if you ask me in the same sentence, are you a Christian, I'm going to say absolutely and proud of it until the day I take my last breath. Right. I, I, don't, I don't deny who I am or my faith or me being a Christian, but what I do deny is, or try to, is the term Christian band, only because it limits all the people we're trying to reach. Right. And you know, the, the people that people that don't, you know, like Christianity or shy away from Christianity, the minute they hear Christian band, they're never going to come see us. They're never going to buy an album and listen to us. And you know, that's what, that goes for any other, as I said, any other rock band out there. I mean, there are bands that are comprised of Satanists. There are bands that are comprised of Catholics. There are bands that are comprised of Mormons. Right. There are bands that, are, you know, and if we're going to label every band like that in such a silly way, then we have to do it to all bands. Why just Striper? And also, I mean, I'm sure Striper has played with all those bands. So, And we have. Yeah. We have absolutely played with all those bands. And, uh, you know, I, it's just something that I've really, in the past few years, I, I've taken, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to champion and, and explain why I'm so opposed to the term Christian rock band. It's not because I deny Christ or deny who we are at all, even the exact opposite. I I think we have gotten bolder and proclaim who we are even more so mm-hmm. than ever before. But it's just that I don't want to be limited in what I do. I, I want to go out and, and reach the world. I want to go play in Jakarta in front of, you know, 
five or six thousand Muslims, which we did, by the way. Awesome. Uh, but you know, when when we're labeled, and that was just a secular festival. Mm-hmm. But had we been labeled a Christian band, they probably wouldn't have ever had us come. I I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and now, well, now that. Uh, do you think it's a lot easier for the Christian band, though, to call themselves a Christian band and be able to play, like, Warp Tour or these secular events nowadays? Probably. I mean, Christian Christian music is a market mm. and right. a bit of a racket and a bit of a racket as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, I personally know bands, I've known bands in the past that couldn't make it and couldn't get signed to secular deals, so they went and got a Christian deal. Oh, yeah. Because it was easier, it was easier to get a Christian deal and easier to get on those Christian festivals and blah blah blah. And that's not all of those bands, but I'm just saying, it's you know, it's why separate it? Why? I don't know. It's just something I don't understand. I I think it's just because Christian teens they want to listen to a band that their friends are listening to, but something that their parents would approve of. Right, I get it. I get it, but I mean. You're going to know that, you know, like, for example, when you read a Striper interview or listen to a Striper interview or a Striper lyric, you're going to know instantly what we stand for. Uh, when you listen to a Slayer song, you're going to know what they're writing about, what they stand for. Um, it, you know, just, just decide from that. Don't, don't put the Christian label or the satanic label or, you know, any of those labels on it. There's enough labels on bands as it is i mean i can't keep up with all the different tags that are put on bands i really right. can't especially genre wise you don't even have to talk about actual faith <laughs> oh my gosh it's unbelievable <laughs> i mean look rock is rock metal is metal you know they don't 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 call you know down go down a hundred different paths and call it this and you know this kind of metal and that kind of metal and this kind of metal. You know, it's metal yeah because i mean <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess Striper is just like the the glam, hair, shoegazy, metal, rock type band. But you guys are a metal band. We're, we're, well, I, I'd like to think that we are. We definitely get a little more on the poppy side of things. But that, that's a, you know, that doesn't mean that we're any less metal. I mean, I know, uh, you know, there's a lot of metal bands throughout time that have done the same thing. And they're still metal bands. Um but yeah, we're we're a, we're a metal band. We're a hard rock slash metal band. Absolutely. Now let's talk about I'm not your suicide because there is we are talking about we have talked about the the I guess the CCM part of uh, you know I guess your you know whatever the Christian band thing. Uh, let's talk about I'm not your suicide. Very very eclectic bunch of featured guests on your album. I mean you've had you had Kevin Max who is in DC Talk and I believe also Audio Adrenaline. But you've also had Chris Jericho from Fozzy, and obviously pro wrestling fame. You're really good friends with him. Um, what was it like working with all these people on your solo project? It was really cool. I always wanted to do a project where I would bring in guests. And down the road, I'd love to do another project where I bring in even more guests, like a different oh. guest on every song. Uh, I really enjoy doing that. It adds a, a whole new dimension to the song and flavor. Uh, and I, I love working with just incredibly talented people. And it, it just so happens that a lot of these talented people are really good friends of mine. And, um, that just makes it even cooler, you know, uh, great opportunity to hang out and work with them and, and talk to them about something and, and share, uh, in, in an art that we, we all love, uh, together. So yeah, it, it was really cool. And I just, 
enjoyed it immensely having Kevin and Tony Harnell and Chris Jericho and Doug Aldrich, all these people on that album. It's amazing. That sounds like an amazing barbecue. Let me tell you that. <laughs> it really is. And, and I knew, I knew they'd all deliver, you know, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I, I didn't with any of them question in the back of my mind, like, Oh my gosh, I hope this turns out good. I knew I'd send them the tracks and say, guys, Hey, do whatever you want. I'd get it back. And I'd say, this is brilliant. And it was from every single one of them. And they all add like different, uh, you know, styles. I mean, there's different voices to each person, but it doesn't take away the cohesiveness of the album. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I've always been known and I, I try purposely to really make those albums diverse mm-hmm. and try different styles. I don't like to, when I do a solo album, I don't like to stick to just one particular type of music. Right. I, I like to do a metal song and then I like to do uh, a, a straight ahead, uh, song like this time, which is kind of more of a, a pop slash, uh, it reminds me a little bit of maybe the Beatles or ELO or something. And, uh, and then I'll do a song that borders on country, like coming home. And then I'll go to the full on hard rock side with unsuspecting. And I, I like to mix it up on the solo albums a lot. And you, you seem to have done that with the Sweden Lynch. Uh, I mean, Sweden Lynch, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty metal, but you add in, you sneak in tracks like me without you, which, uh, kind of like it, it takes away, it not takes away, but it kind of mellows down the album, but it still right. has that metal sound. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is there's two types of fans that we have and that's the, the, the metal heads. And then the fans that, that we went over through songs like honestly, mm-hmm. you know, and the ballads, the big ballads, honestly was our biggest song, striper song. I mean, that's the one that really took us over the top. So, if we completely turn our backs on that audience, that's not a good thing. So that's why I always try to put some sort of a ballad on there. And I love ballads. I don't do it just for that sake. I do it also for myself because I love uh, doing different styles of music. I listen to all styles of music and, and I love a good ballad every now and then. No, same here. You can't have a full on metal album without a good ballad. Yeah. And as long as the ballad's good, though. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Now, Michael, uh, any word on release date for the new Striper album, uh, album name or anything right now? I would say sometime this year, probably October, November of this okay. year. And okay. uh, it's, a, it's a heavy album. It's definitely going to be our heaviest. I, I see, really? I've, been saying this, I've been saying this for every album, but I think <laughs> I've been right. And this one, I think this one will be even heavier than No More Hell to Pay. In a, okay. In a good, in the good sense of the word. So, so it's going to be a heavy metal album. You guys going to drop to like B or A in tune? Yeah, we 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 actually did on three songs, oh, actually wow. four songs. We dropped the low E down to D. Okay. So it's got a little bit more of that chuggier, heavy kind of uh, riffage going on, uh, but it's still striper, a hundred percent. It's not thrash metal. It's not dark and, and evil, but it's definitely got a chunkier chuggier heavier kind of vibe to it awesome now anything you want to say anywhere uh, we could find striper on the internet and wherever else you are going to be doing interviews actually too yeah you can you can find us on uh, you know of course facebook and twitter uh striper and michael sweet and uh we're moving along man we, we're getting this album done it'll come out this year and then next year we're going to really hit hard in terms of touring uh, touring throughout uh, 2016 heavily. I am super stoked. I'll hit up uh, Brian when you guys go on tour. Maybe we can meet up and do another interview then. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. 
Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Michael. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Um, this is a bucket list interview for myself. Uh, so I want to, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate it. Uh, you coming on to the show. Um, yeah. And that's it. Hey man, thank you. Thank you for having me and look forward to seeing you again soon and talking soon. I want to thank Michael Sweet for coming here on the Kill Rock podcast. Such a wealth of information. I think it's crazy the way he writes songs. You know, I, I, I hear, you hear a lot of things from different songwriters, different ways to write music. And, you know, his way is take a lot of time off. And then when it comes to write, when that time comes to write, then write. And, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I when it comes to being an interviewer, asking bands how their writing process is, yeah, it's probably the most cliched question. But for myself personally, I think I'm kind of, you know, a little selfish at times because I want to know how these bands write. I know a lot of fans know want to know how they write too. But at the same time, I think that question gets asked so many times that someone that's kind of a layman to song to music to music theory to the way songs are written i think they get kind of tired of those kind of questions but for myself personally i'm selfish i want to know and i think it's amazing the way that people like michael sweet write music because they could turn off their brains like for myself uh, you know i haven't written as many songs as michael has in my life but ideas always constantly pop into my head and maybe it is good that he takes that time off because sometimes the ideas pop in my head and I don't even know how to form them. You know, there's bands that they do everything together. They write all together. There's bands that go through correspondence. And Michael did that with George Lynch for the sweet and Lynch album only to rise. It's crazy. The day and age we live in, we don't even need to be in the same room as, you know, the members of the band. For myself personally, I hated that. I thought that was the worst part of writing a song, was sitting in the room with everybody. You know, I it's you know, I think maybe as a lyric writer for me it was even more difficult because uh if you're if I'm writing lyrics right then and there, uh um, uh, you know, I write then and there, uh, everyone's there to judge. And it's kind of, it's kind of a sensitive issue writing lyrics. But then if I'm writing by myself and I don't have an idea of what the music's going to sound like, uh, I get lost. So learning how these bands write music, uh, it's, it's amazing to me. It really is. Uh, one, something cool that happened the other week uh, a lot of you guys know i did talk about it a couple weeks ago i work where i work i work in a school during the day but in the afternoon uh sometimes nights i work with a kid uh he's 21 years old he's autistic but he types that's the way he you know uh communicates is that he types and i'm there to help him communicate whether it's to other people whether it's just having a conversation with myself with him or you know between the both of us uh, and I've been teaching him piano, but I, I, it seems like now that I'm, I'm teaching him more music theory than piano. 
And I wanted to look up for him uh, like a how to write songs for dummies. Because sometimes I don't even know how to explain certain things. Uh, I understand things, but to actually teach it or to even get it out verbally, it's difficult for me. So we looked up this blog and the prime example of how to write a song was that song from the movie uh, Easy A in which the, the main character got like a card from an ant or something. And I don't remember what song it was. It was Natasha Bedingfield. I just don't know what the song's called. And uh, at first, the main character hates the song. But as time goes on, uh, the song grows and grows and grows on her. And it's eventually like her favorite song. And so, I was like, you know, thinking about that, it's kind of like, oh, it's crazy. It's crazy that a song could grow on someone like that. Like, I know plenty of songs. Most of my favorite albums have had to grow on me. Uh, Copeland's Eat, Sleep, Repeat. That album took five years for me to actually appreciate it. And now I consider it probably one of my favorite Copeland albums. Definitely top two. Uh, you Are My Sunshine is definitely one. And between that and Ixora, uh, they're tied for two. They're both great albums. But albums like that. And it, while reading this How to Write a Song blog, uh, the blog is actually on Sonic Bids. So you can look it up. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but I'll put a link in the description. I'll look for it and I'll put it in the description. Um, basically, all it says is keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, write your standard formats and people are going to love your song. Write good lyrics, but don't overthink it and have a good quality recording. That's the advice that Sonic Bids gave. And thinking about that, it's like, wow, yeah, I already know that. But reading it again, it's just one of those like refreshing, you know, it's like new to me again. Like, it sounds new to me again. And I think for you songwriters, whether you write like Michael Sweet, you take your, you know, you take your time off when you don't have to write, and then when you do have to write, that's where you pound them out. Or you're one of those that just have ideas in your head like Paul McCartney and have to get out of bed and write them on a piano. Just do it the way that you're comfortable with and keep it simple, stupid. That should be the name of this episode. I think that actually the name of this episode is To Hell With The Podcast with Michael Sweet from Striper. Uh, I think that's the best title. Best title ever. Thank you guys for joining us here at the Kill Rock Podcast. We want to let you guys know that Tim Kayam from Kayam Interviews will be on the show next week. We also have Kylan Road, an amazing duo. You can check out their covers on iTunes, they covered uh, Copeland, Fink, as well as the new Megan Trainer and John Legend song that was recently released. They covered that one to great, with a great response. Megan Trainer actually tweeted out to Kylan Road, uh, letting people know to check out the song. It They did that great of a job. So go check that out. Go look it up. I don't remember what the song is called. But Kylan Road's going to be on the show in two weeks. And they are going to perform one of their original tracks live just for you guys, the listeners of the Kill Rock Podcast. Also, you guys that want to support the Kill Rock Podcast, I've said it 
twice already. Go to audibletrial.com slash killrock. Get your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download. And rate, review, share, subscribe, download, yada, yada, yada. Thank you guys for joining us here at the Kill Rock Podcast. Tim Kayyem is next week. And this is Fingerprints off the Seeds in the Soil EP by American Arson. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next Monday here on the Kill Rock Podcast. I've been writing late.